world. Podcasts fill the streets. There's only two men bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Okay, enough fucking about. We spent weeks talking about, um, you know, bizarre kind of less than conventional action film choices. We've gone through uh, and indulged our love of British celebrities. It's time we got back to the very core of action movies, especially 80s action movies. So this episode of Hardcasters is dedicated to Commando and more importantly, the director's cut of Commando. Um, I'm Dominic Duplum, and with me is uh, Dick Visage. Hello. I'm, I'm rock hard for this one. Um, visibly. Visibly. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, we... We're new, we're new at this podcast and thing. We haven't really established a dress code. Um, and I can tell you, Dick Visage is fully Donald Ducking it um, at the moment. Um, there's nothing below the waist. Um, and I can see how excited he is to talk about Commando. Um, so I think... Uh, Very much gone Commando as well. Very much. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Yeah, I think you, I think you misinterpreted the, the, the purpose of this. Bloody um, <laughs> so... I think it's important when we say, you know, I'd imagine if you're here listening to this podcast, you've seen Commando, you know how great it is. Um, But for those people either only kind of casual action viewers or maybe got into action films recently and haven't got around to seeing it, you know, everyone has gaps in their their viewing history. Um, When we say director's cut, we're not talking about some lofty, idealised, uh, revolutionary new edit which changes meanings it's not like the various cuts of Blade Runner or whatever um, the director's cut of Blade Runner um, has like three extra extended dialogue scenes which are fairly superfluous um, and just a couple of gory bits at the end so we'll talk we'll talk about Commando and our love of it to begin with and then we'll start talking about some of the the additional edits and, and the difference they make um, towards the end so uh, Dick, why is Commando such uh, uh, an amazing film? It starts start to end. It's it's arguably the greatest film ever made. I mean, if you say you've got a gap in your knowledge, this is like mm. if you if you run a church and you've got the Bible missing on your shelf. That's that's how important yeah. it is in the action the Nadir. So yeah. <clears throat> I liked Commando for many for many different reasons. I think. I mean, let's talk about the opening scene first of all. I mean, mm. this the, every time I watch Commando, I'm just by the end of the by the end of the, the opening credits, I'm like, oh, this is such a good film. So <clears throat> it's it starts off with it, the, the only action film, possibly the only film where it starts off with a bloke putting the bins out. I don't think there's another film <laughs> that starts, and it's, you know, it, it typifies an, a bloke putting the bins out on a on a like a wet. Wednesday morning, you know, when you're like, you, mm. your wife nudges you in the in the ribs and goes, Dick, for example. Yes. You've got to put the fucking bins out. It's like, oh, for Christ's sake. So you, you rapidly knock your dressing gown. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you probably, there's a... Kimono. Yeah, kimono <laughs> or, you know, and there's probably, a you know, a testicle hanging out here and there. And you dive down the stairs, get the bins out. And actually, that captures that very beautifully. 
Um, it's a relatable moment. Every, you know, when you see that, everyone can relate to it. Everyone thinks, you know what? I know that guy. Yeah. That guy could be me. Yeah, exactly. And you can see him running and says, well, fucking hell, am I going to get there in time? She's going to kill me. <clears throat> and then he, the bin, bin guys get off and, aha, it's um, our favourite, you know, kind of miserable actor, uh, Bill Duke, who guns the yep. guy down. And then it cuts to the car showroom where there's a kind of sleazy kind of business guy with a roll neck who looks like a baddie, but actually he's not. He, again, he's talking to Bill Duke and Bill Duke takes him out. And it, it starts off this kind of kind of cutting down of, you know, the different people in different scenarios. Mm. But that that's not the, you know, this is like a Bond film. That's not the kind of the beginning. The beginning no. is where we cut to... James Horner's beautiful score when that kicks in. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about the score quite a bit because it's, to this day, it's... And it, James Horner's done... We talked about Red Heat towards the start of, of, of our kind of run and there's a similar kind of sound in that. Um, but actually, if you listen to the 48 Hours and another 48 Hours score, they're, they're very similar scores. And in that they utilise... And bear in mind, this is an action movie about a commando, uh, clues in the title. Um, and James Horner's decided to go with drums, synth, and steel drums. Um, it's a very odd combination, and it's a very strange choice. And this is a film that has lots of strange choices, um, but it works, and it's really, 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 really badass. So it's... And it's a film, the, the, the title sequence. So we have this pre-credit sequence of people getting executed. Um, one of which is going to be a kind of uh, a red herring, a kind of misdirect. Um, although I don't think it's really ever addressed at the, like why they fake the villain's death at the start kind of thing. Or is yeah, it? I can't remember. slightly allude to the fact they're trying to throw him off the scent that all his men have. Yeah. But the, the, what troubles me with this is in the, the kind of opening credits... The, the baddie who we'll talk about at length later on, yeah. the red herring, he's the last person to get executed and he looks up almost to the camera in a knowing mm. way that actually he's not really going to die. And then when yeah. you see the captain later on explaining the roll call of people who've died, which again we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, he has a raised inflection on Bennett, which is the bad guy. Mm. And he says, Bennett. And, and he, the audience mm. like, oh, 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 have you died mm. though? So, it's not very, very red herring. It's kind of like a, you know, a kind of red herring that's flapping about dying. That's kind of quite yeah. obvious. It's there. However, that's winking at the audience as it dies. Exactly. However, then yeah. obviously after the execution, we cut to the magnificent kind of steel drum beat, and we mm-hmm. get introduced to to Schwarzenegger's character John Matrix, which is again, great name, great name. And how would you how would you describe how you first meet him? So. Um, you know, there, there, there's loads of moments in in Schwarzenegger's films where they really try and give him a good entrance and really try and set up his physique and his presence. Um, we've talked about his his entrance in Red Heat, which is impressive, but this is great. So he's he's walking through these kind of misted woods, not kind of cold like Gothic mists, but kind of hot. It's almost it could be the jungle, right? And he's carrying, he's, he's in kind of um, tan trousers, uh, a white vest. He's in one hand, he's carrying a chainsaw. And in his left arm, over his shoulder, he's carrying a fucking tree. 
like a whole tree that he's cut down. Um, and just walking through the woods, carrying this shit. Um, and it's, yeah, it's quite a kind of impressive and imposing uh, image. iconic because, again, I watched this recently again. But I've seen it so many times, but again, just the director's cut hit to kind of get me in there. Yeah. So how iconic is for me? So last week, and I'll, I'll, this is a slight kind of diversion, mm. but last week I had to take a rug back to Ikea. <laughs> yeah. I got out of the car, and in my head I thought, right, slung said rug. It was rolled up in a, in a kind of in a, in a plastic mm. bag. I slung it over my shoulder, same shoulder as John Matrix, and under my arm I had like a like a kind of plastic Ikea one of those blue bags. So in my head, mm. I walked into Ikea like John Matrix at the start of the film. I had a rug over my shoulder, which is my tree, and mm. my blue Ikea bag, which was his chainsaw. And I was kind of walking, and again, it was like I had mist behind me, and I looked back. Yeah. And I, I probably didn't. I probably looked like a, just a dozy fucker walking around with a rug dangling <laughs> off his shoulder, falling around. I, see, I mean, I'm the same. If I'm in the garden, I have to, you know, if I've cut down a branch or something, I immediately... And I, I think that anyone who's seen this film and who loves it and is is that aware of that image, I would say that probably at some point in their lives, if they've had to put something on their shoulder, they've had the commando theme playing in their head and just for a moment yeah. uh, fooled themselves into thinking they look maybe even like 30% of what Schwarzenegger does in this opening scene. Now, it's 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 a great transition from this kind of pretentious and violent opening with, you know, gun assassinations and exploding boats, someone being run over, to Schwarzenegger just trekking through the woods. And the still drum stop, we have this kind of, um, I don't know, kind of like wood pipe flute sound that comes in and the, the, the music dies and he's, he's, he's chopping the wood and he pulls the axe up and he looks in the reflection and you can see there's someone approaching him from behind and he spins and it's his daughter, his little daughter in dungarees, and he hugs her, and then the music goes into kind of strings, like like nice kind of um, idyllic uh, strings, almost like we're going into Little House on the Prairie. And he lifts his daughter up and laughs and hugs her, and then and that's when the title Commando comes up. So not on the badass steel drums, on the on the nice stuff, and then we just have this mo- montage of rural bliss, which includes having ice cream. And him getting ice cream on his nose. Yeah. Lots of laughing. Yeah. Um, feeding a deer. Yeah. Um, it's like a Disney movie. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, Christ, can you imagine the keywords for this? <laughs> I can't wait. And he, they're laughing and as then, well um, as they're feeding the deer, aren't they? Laughing away as they're feeding this deer. Everything's hilarious to them. Um, to the point there, you begin to worry about their their mental stability. They're just laughing at everything. Um, and I, I hope that in the director's cut which again, we'll talk about these hours later, there, there'd be more of just them laughing at things, pointing and laughing at an owl um, or, you know, at each other yep. or maybe one of them shits themselves and the other one just laughs. Yep. Um, you know, maybe they're, they're eating a whole hog roast together and laughing. I don't know. But no, no, it's, it's, it, there's no more extra bits in the montage. Um, so we established the, the John Matrix, which someone pointed out to me not, too long ago that's a weird name for an action film star because matrix is essentially mathematical or computer based it's not really kind of a tough name it's actually quite a nerdy name but it just goes um is an ex-soldier who's living with his daughter there's no mention of the wife or where she is 
But there is in the director's cut, isn't there? We, we do there is, yes. Um, and they're living in this lovely country home up in the mountains in, in the woods. And um, a military helicopter lands um, and out gets uh, a Colonel Troutman-style general who's an old friend of, of John Matrix and a couple of soldiers. And he's told that somebody is killing his men. Yep. Um, and he lists off the people that have been uh, killed. The, oh, he leaves the two soldiers with him, and that's when they're attacked. Now, John Matrix is, knows he's going to be attacked long before the other guys. Um, he, I think one of them asks him, did you smell them coming? And he says, you know, downwind. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, he knows he's coming. So there's a bit of a... And the two soldiers are killed. What I, don't, what I didn't appreciate when I was younger, and really only appreciated when I watched it, when I got got it on more DVD and, re- DVD and revisited it sort of in the last sort of 10 years, is how great the scene where he has the guy tied up. So they kidnap his daughter and escape with her. It's leaving Matrix. So he goes into, he goes into her room in the midst of all this happening. They, they've got away with her in the car and there is just a guy casually sat in the chair and you think he's going to be like, right, we've got you now. And he's about to explain the plot. And while he's saying, you know, just settle down. Um, John Matrix looks out the window and sees them drive off in the um, in the car. And the guy in the chair says, "Like, uh, so all you've got to do is cooperate, and she'll be fine, right?" And he goes wrong and just shoots the guy. Like, so uh, that's quite a nice kind of convention just thrown out the window there. But also, as well, what I love about this film, and even as a kid, I thought how ridiculous he is. He obviously he's a military man, so he, they live in the woods, but he's got a shed full of guns. So when it's all kicking yep. off, he runs to his shed. And could bear in mind he's got, what, she's 10, 11? Yeah. So yeah. he goes to his shed, opens it up, and he's got a keypad on the wall. And he puts his key code in, and it's 1-3, and it opens. It's, there's yep. no, like, time lock on there. There's no, like, kind yeah. of, you know, really kind of fancy code or, like, you know, biometric palm. It's one three, which he presses really slowly. So I'm surprised yeah. his daughter's not been tooled up just shooting the shit out of him. To be fair, maybe uh, maybe he actually had like um, twelve kids or something, and they've all just killed themselves or died of accident. Maybe just, maybe the reason he cares about this one so much is just the last surviving one. Um, but what keypad has a two-digit code? I know. Um... He just doesn't give a shit. That's the thing. That's how cool he is. I don't care. Um, I've even given it an unlucky number as my code. That's how tough I am. Um, so he basically uh, goes outside. His his truck is um, they've cut cables in it, so he thinks fuck it, and he just rolls it down the hill, gets in it, and just drives the car down the hill, um, puts it in neutral, drives, rolls the car down the hill while at the wheel, and tries to crash into them. And that's where we find out that Bennett is still alive, and he's kind of partly masterminding this so we'll just very quickly set up the plot again most people listening to this will know this and then we're going to talk about Bennett I think so the plot is basically Bennett is working for a kind of banana republic dictator played by Dan Hedaya in the fictional um uh I think country of Valverde which pops up in a few things I think it's even in Street Fighter as well it becomes like a an in-joke and basically they want uh, somebody assassinated, um, and they know that Matrix is the only person that's going to be able to pull it off. So they've got his daughter, and if basically he's got to kill this person 
within a certain time frame or they kill his daughter. Okay, um, And that's basically the plot, only John Matrix is having none of it and he's going to escape and hunt his daughter down. Um, so I, I do like the setup because the, the assassination thing isn't doesn't even become a thing. It's not like the first series of 24 where you think, is Jack Bauer going to assassinate the guy? Within about five minutes of the plot being uh, laid out, Matrix again is just like, no, fuck that. I'm turning around and I'm just going to hunt these guys down. So it's a kind of efficient and brutal. But obviously we meet Bennett now. Now Bennett is played by Vernon Wells. And I would say, you know, as I said before, this is a film that has some interesting choices made in it. And I think that Bennett is just a series of incredibly interesting choices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you've got, you've got Schwarzenegger, um, not necessarily at the height, but approaching the very top. I mean, this is, he's got a few films under his belt. He's established himself as an action star. Um, and this is really him, uh, in what could be described as his, uh, what I would say is his action masterpiece. And no offense to Vernon Wells, uh, uh, you know, he's a great actor and he's a great screen presence, but he's not a physical match for Schwarzenegger. And yet, we are meant to believe he is. Yeah. He's kind of got a, the look of Freddie Mercury in this. Imagine Freddie Mercury um, had just. He'd been down the pub a bit too much. He'd, he'd been down the pub for a bit, yeah. He'd be basically, he's been down uh, the pub, and he's basically he's fell into a suit of armour, but not quite yeah. put it on properly. So he's fell into a suit of armour and kind of clattered most of it off, but he's left with a chainmail vest. Yeah, and again, you go, the costume thing, it's like, well, we've got this guy. What, you know, he's supposed to be uh, an intimidating... We know he's going to have a fight scene with Schwarzenegger. Um... He's not in the same shape. He's similar kind of height, and you know he's a he's got a, a solid build, but he's not muscular or toned at all. So let's take those sleeves off straight away, and then chainmail vest. Yeah, let's go with that. And so that's that's the bad guy. It's Freddie Mercury with some beers in him in a chainmail vest versus Schwarzenegger, and he's keywords a go go. Keywords a go go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so then they basically take him to an airport. We have an actor who popped up uh, in Action Jackson um, and David Patrick Kelly, who's a, a, a kind of smallish um, uh, actor who's in The Warriors and um, a bunch of other movies, Dreamscape for one, um, uh, who, and he's, you know, next to this this other guy and... Schwarzenegger looks tiny. I mean, looks like they looks like Daniel Radcliffe in the first Harry Potter film in a suit. Um, and they're taking him to the airport, um, and basically they're going to escort him on this flight to um, go and assassinate the person he's to. Um, Schwarzenegger kills his bodyguard essentially in the airplane. He breaks his neck and then escapes by ripping a hole in a wall, climbing down into the undercarriage, and then just falling out of the aeroplane, basically, into, into some swamp. I mean, that would have killed him completely. Um, but uh, And then we're off. He's basically just got to get to his... Well, the first thing he's got to do is, is David Patrick Kelly's going to make a phone call. Watch first as well. He's got to, you know, sync his watch, which is, again, yeah. an amazing thing. Because this watch, 
Mm. He sets it for the, he's got eleven hours essentially. He's got eleven hours. The flight yeah. time is eleven hours. So essentially, he's got eleven hours to get to his door. So it's a bit kind of proto twenty four again. And he sets his watch. Yeah. But he sets it and he lets it go, and it's the loudest fucking watch in the world. Literally, it's. Like, but only when he looks at it. Only when he looks at yeah, it. Only when he when looks it's at when it's yeah. down by his side, it makes no noise to it. But when he looks at it, the it's like Big Ben going off. Um, it's like the twenty four thing. You know, it's 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 incredible. It's like this this. It, it face recognition software that beeps when it realizes someone is looking at it. Um, so his first port call is to stop David Patrick Kelly from making a phone call um, to tell people that he's uh, escaped. Now, I'm I, I sh- I'm going to say here that we probably shouldn't just go through and and recount the plot of the film because I said most people here are going to have seen this and most people are going to know it. So I think we just go and, and pick out what our highlights are in particular. So, um, is, is there any, is there any particular sequences or moments in this film that really earn this film its, its credentials with you? I think it hits the ground running because essentially he's got, he's almost got a a series of mini boss fights. The people he's got to get through first Mm. to then get to the next person. But I quite like Mm. it because essentially the the first big action sequence is one of my favorites. So he he has to track Sully down. He's a, a bit of a car chase. And um, this is where he, obviously, he again, most people have seen it, but he essentially kidnaps uh, an air hostess who's mm. at the airport and steals a car. And she, I like her. I think she's really good in this. So, um, Ray yeah. Dawn Chong, which I'm not sure she's done anything massively in the past 10, 15 years, but I think she's mm. really good in this and really likeable and quite plays off, you know, and tones down the act and kind of macho stuff quite a bit. Yeah, um, and he—I love the sequence where he rips her car seat out and he sits in there and he looks like a little child, <laughs> like little child Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. driving around with his looks like Stuart Little, <laughs> his head barely above the, the, the steering wheel, which is, I, I love that bit. But then yeah. he's got a, he basically he's following Sully to a drop meeting, which is a shopping mall, so a kind of Californian shopping mall, mm. uh, very very eighties. But I, the mm. whole sequence is brilliant. Now, mm. just as a quick detour, this is probably where the first part of the director's cut stuff kicks in that I really noticed, was that when he, that um, I think is it here, when they're talking, around this time, when they're talking about who he is and what his name is, yeah, he starts giving more information out about himself. Um, mm. And he explains that his wife died when his daughter was very little and he's been around the world. And so I think it's quite nice because it sets him more up as a badass that he's been mm. in all these war zones and this is why we're following him, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah. But anyway, he goes to the shopping mall and Sully has got this drop-off at this very sleazy bar and he's kind of meeting this kind of very kind of sleazy guy who looks like, you know, Manfred yeah. Del Monte. Yeah. And, and they're exchanging something. Now, at this point, um, the air hostess, Cindy, is it Cindy? She... I believe um, so. She tips off a security guard, because at this point she's not on board with the whole thing, which he wouldn't, because she's no. been kidnapped by a big bloke in a sweaty vest. Um, mm. And she tells the security guard that she's been kidnapped. Now, this leads to a huge fight scene where loads of security guards turn up. In the midst of this, Sully, the David Patrick Kelly character, realises that Matrix is, has not got on the plane. So actually, he's got to mm. get his way through the shopping mall to get to Sully to make sure that Sully doesn't, yeah. you know. To be fair, if there was a mobile phone in this film, 
it'd be fucked straight away. She, she, the daughter totally. did. So, you know, thank God it's in the 80s. But at least we kind of get this massive chase scene and, and kind of fight scene. When he takes on, I'm not exaggerating, 30 mole cops. Is he, is he, at one point, they all crap, jump on top of him and he just raises his arms and throws them all off at the same time. It's, it's, it's glorious. But that's not the most ridiculous part of this scene. No. So I think he, he beats, he, he, he fights four of them off at once in the start. Then he chases yep. after Sully who's trying to get on the phone at this point. So instead of, you know, grabbing Sully and ripping him out of the phone booth or kind of punching through the... He picks up a phone booth. Like yeah, a the huge, whole thing. But it's not even like a half kiosk. It's a, it's almost mm. like this futuristic toilet that is just huge. He picks it's it up. It's like the one from um, Bill and Ted. It's ridiculous. Like, he basically could have been the TARDIS. He picks it up. And kind of chucks at his shoulders and then kind of does some sort of wrestling body slam on it so he smashes on the floor. Yeah. Which then yeah. he gets surrounded by about another 30 cops, which he kind of has a nice kind of punches about four of them in the balls, which is glorious. <clears throat> and then it, what I quite like about this is there's, there's such an 80s mall that there's kind of balloons everywhere, but not a lot like kind of, you know round balloons there's kind of like almost party streamers that adorn this mall uh, this shopping this California shopping mall and he he uses them to swing around the shopping mall like some sort of kind of day glow Spider-Man it's it's yeah. ridiculous um, it is. to get to Solly who's going down the escalators and the mm. last one he swings across the mall boots about five cops in the face and lands on the top of this kind of where Sully's going down the escalator, which again you can clearly see it's a stuntman. It's it's kind of he's a bloke yeah. in a big grey wig. Um, they can't even be bothered yeah. getting right hair. He gets run over in the parking lot as well. And again, the the stuntman is, is a slightly different build and very different kind of face. And it, it it's always a bit of a. And then they proceed to have a car chase in two tiny tiny toy cars. They pick two really small sports cars, um, and. Which is a weird chase, but it, this whole thing culminates in a wonderful moment where he's where he's hanging Sully, played by David Patrick Kelly, off a cliff with one hand, which informs him, you know, this is my weak arm, um, and he's kind of, you know, trying to get some information out of him, and he says, you know, uh, when I said I'd kill you last, I lied, and he drops him, and then it then cuts to the shittest dummy that's got like three legs and twelve <laughs> arms. Just falling into the darkness. It's brilliant. He makes the best noise when he's falling as well. It's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 all, it's awesome. The whole thing is awesome. Have you, as, as a quick aside, as, you know, as a kind of tough French cop that you are, have you ever picked up anyone by one arm? Yeah. You ever picked them up, anyone dangled them about? No, I, I've, no I've dragged them with one, hat, with one arm. Uh, but if I've had to pick... The thing is, if you need to pick them up, you have to pick them up with both arms, and it looks like when you hold a toddler by their ankles for a laugh, it doesn't have quite the same effect. They normally quite enjoy it. So, no, you have to be John Matrix to be able to, to, be able to pull that kind of manoeuvre off. Yeah. Um, now, so this leads on to one of my favourite scenes from the films. I mean, it, it, there's not a lot in between this, and to be honest, a lot of the stuff in between it, we, we don't really need to talk about that much. Um, and that's the, the punch-up in the motel with Bill Duke. Now there's two reasons I like this. It's got an obligatory and completely gratuitous moment where they smash the window and uh, a topless woman in bed just sits up um, and shows her breast to the camera. 
and then covers herself up. But again, but not very what? well. It's like the smallest bed sheet no. ever she uses to cover up and doesn't do a very good job, yeah. let's be face it. And it's almost like she's been there waiting for someone to smash through, I think. But more so, I mean, this isn't necessarily a, a particularly wonderful fight. What's great about it is is the banter uh, between Bill Duke and Schwarzenegger in this, and it has two great lines. One is, this Green Beret is going to kick your ass, and then Schwarzenegger says, I eat Green Berets for breakfast. Then they start fighting, and after a, a, a significant pause, he goes, and right now I'm very hungry, which I like. Um, but even better, even, this is so good, and it never fails to make me laugh, and I would say that it's such a good line, is Bill Duke pulls a gun on him, right, and it's just like, I'm done with this, and says, fuck you, asshole. Fire, goes to fire the gun, and it's out of bullets, and Schwarzenegger looks at him and goes, no fuck you arsehole and it's like the least imaginative comeback that's why he's called John Matrix you see cerebral he's you know yeah. he's, he's got it's, that down psychological warfare yeah. right there it's it's almost like like the screenwriter sat down and gone no what's the least writerly way I can do what's the shortest distance here and it's just say no and repeat the line back to him it's brilliant it's like a rejection of poetry and art um and in the process of doing that creating its own poetry what i, will I, I say, love it it's what hilarious I will say about it though i mean i think it, it's definitely i i, I think schwarzenegger gets away with it because he's so he's got such green presence and he's so good at delivering the quip that yes it yeah. always makes me laugh when he does it but actually he gets away with it because it just yeah. he's just got that presence if it was like vin diesel or gerard butler or something like that You'd be like, yeah. oh, fuck off. That's not work. That's, yeah. la- that's not landing. Mm. But actually, he makes it land. And I think, you know, God bless him because mm. it's such a, such a great moment. Such a great moment. Yeah. Which, again, just to kind of hover on that a little bit, I, do, I don't know if mm. it's, it's right or not. Because, again, I, I watched, I, it's been a while since I watched it and then watched the director's cut. But when he, at the end of, when he dispatches Bill Duke, mm. so he kind of uppercuts him and Bill Duke mm. lands on like a upside down table leg I think it is and it just yeah. kind of spears him they seem to land on that longer like it kind of has a cut of him just lay there just kind yeah. of speared well, like well, I think shit vampire yeah. <laughs> well when, when this is the thing with the and we'll talk about a bit about this now then is that um, what got to bear in mind is the original DVD release in the UK of Commando was actually from an edited version so or an edited for violence version so i got a feeling it was from like a tv edit of the film so for years the dvd version of commando wasn't actually the first cinematic release all the violence was cut out so where he shoots him on the ground at the start that was gone how Bill Duke dies is a little bit fudged, so it was never really clear of how he got killed. When the director's cut released, not only were we seeing the additional stuff, but we're also actually seeing the uncut version as well, which was a rarity um, uh, in the UK. Um, so that's that's where it sometimes gets a bit muddy as to what's part of the director's cut and what is just the uncut version. So I've got a feeling that was always in there. Um, same as the flying razor blade at the end. The, the impact of that was always in the original film. That's not part of the director's cut. It's just it was always kind of cut down or cut around in, in some of the UK 
versions. So, yeah, so some of the violence is back in and, and some of it just kind of makes it a bit, bit clearer. Um, so aside from, you know, them break, them going shopping and breaking in and buying all the, the and nicking all the rocket launchers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and some other, and between this and the, and the finale, we have some choice Bennett moments. Lines like, I love your little pissant soldiers. They make me laugh. If Matrix was here, he'd laugh too. That should be um, in the opening credits. You know, when, yeah. when, when they're fielding deer and when they're kind of frolicking about the hot tub, you should see Bennett yeah. you know, laughing with them, just to kind of emphasise that point, yeah. because that would be quite cool. Uh, there's there's some lovely moments like that. Um, but let's let's get straight to the finale, because this is, this, is, this, is, this is the DNA of 80s action right here. We get a, an all-time tooling up sequence. Best ever. Best ever. That builds in pace. The edits get quicker of him just putting weapon after weapon after grenade after knife, painting on himself. Um, we get Schwarzenegger running up the beach in Speedos, you know, dragging a boat. Um, and then we get this tracking shot as it pulls back of him with every gun imaginable on him. Yeah. And then basically, considering he's a commando, he's this highly skilled operator... It, it, it the finale clearly seems to me like a film with with you know and I've got no military knowledge whatsoever. But it clearly looks like a film where they didn't have any kind of advisor mm. or any kind of research. This was just run around with a gun firing, and then we'll just have stuntmen leaping all over the place. It's and it's it's glorious as a result, and it's also got some gloriously ropey moments. Like when whenever a uh, a bad guy leaps into the air because of explosion. You can clearly see the air ramp that flies up yeah. and throws him off. They're like little diving boards, for those who don't know, that kind of a little board with a spring on it or an air compression thing that flies up in the air and basically catapults the stuntman higher. And you can clearly see them all over the place launching people. Um, there's a bit where some buildings explode and they've made the choice to have... They didn't want to have stuntmen in the foreground running, blowing away from it. So they've got dummies, but they've tied these dummies to wooden boards. But so when it explodes, all the guards who are just standing there bolt still because they're dummies, kind of their limbs flop about, but they don't fall over because they're tied to a board. It looks like just a bunch of mannequins. It's weird. It's like he's blown up Primark or something. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, But he's just, you know, at one point he's got an M60 machine gun and he's firing it with one hand, and just hundreds of people dying all over the place. Absolutely can't. It literally, he's, he, 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 we talk about the, the, the cut shopping mall scene when he takes on 30, 30 more cops. Yeah. There must be about 500 soldiers that he's just mowing down relentlessly. Yeah. And, and with no kind of tactical finesse, just literally waving a gun back and forth, you know, owing kind of in a similar kind of style to... to Better Tomorrow 2 we're talking about. It's, it's brilliant. And then when you don't think it can get any better, he has to run and hide in a garden shed. This is the meet and, meet and grave of the director's cut, isn't it? This is the kind of... Yeah, essentially, this is, this is what you buy the director's cut to see. As much as, you know, there's some little flavour things about his home life and his past life. Really, this is Fuck it. Fuck all that. You want the stuff um, in the shed. That's what you want. That's what yeah. you're here for. So he's trapped in a shed. He's used up all of his ammunition and he had a lot of it. Um, and a bunch of guys kind of riddle the thing with bullets and they go in and then he springs to action. So he, he's got a circular saw blade, which he throws and it kind of scalps a guy, um, which is impressive. Um, it doesn't wedge itself in. It literally takes the, the top section of his head off. And then 
he stabs someone in the stomach with a pitchfork. Yeah, it's a garden fork, but he almost like manures them. So he stabs them and then kind of throws them on like a manure pile, which is impressive. Yeah. He cuts a guy's arm off with an axe. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you in the director's cut, you see the guy kind of holding the stump and screaming. Um, he whacks a guy. Is it in the stomach or is it in the balls with the axe as well? And after doing so, I think he's the balls. in that kind of lower stomach, yeah. upper groin area. Um, and it's just, um, it's it it goes into kind of almost Jason Voorhees territory at that point. It's some nice meaty, uh, violent kills and it's just it's this idea of it's it's escalating not in scale but in brutality and efficiency the the action scene um which basically takes us up to the final showdown with bennett he takes off which he takes away the kind of banana republic director doesn't he He kind of shoots him yeah yeah but what i like about this as well um the actor is um down today he's got the best gun when he fires a gun ever it's, it's almost yeah. like he's it's, it's just kind of afraid of firing this gun and he kind of pulls his great face. But he gets taken mm. out quickly. And then yeah. we go to the classic 80s go-to of a boiler room slash yeah. kind of industrial setting, don't we? Which is... Yeah. A steamy basement and uh, Bennett is, at this point, in in a kind of almost erotic ecstasy at the thought of killing yeah. John Matrix. He's got him at gunpoint. And Matrix is like, come on, you don't need a gun to to kill me. You want to kill me with your hands. He's trying to convince him to put the gun down. And Bennett takes the bait and he's like, I don't I don't need no stinking gun, John. He also at one point shouts, I'm not gonna shoot you between the eyes. I'm gonna shoot you between the balls. Yeah. Which, as a threat, sounds kind of nonsensical. But actually, if you think about it, shooting someone between the balls requires a real accurate kind of eagle eye. That's some kind of Hawkeye from the Avengers level archery or, 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 or um, marksmanship. Yeah. Because not only that, but obviously for most people, unless they're, they're lying down or doing a handstand, their, their penis will be covering the part between their balls. So he'd have to wanted style curve the bullet to go up and under. Yeah. Uh, and part of me wishes he that that would have been in the film um, to see him ricochet a bullet round and actually land between uh, John Matrix's testicles. But we don't get to see that. That uh, Bennett takes the bait, drops the gun, and then proceeds to have an incredibly ridiculous. Uh, fight scene. It's just a treasure trove full of stuff. At one point, he's trying to jam him into a into a furnace. Another point, um, Matrix punches him onto a live electric fence. Why that's down there in the basement, I don't know. Um, and it doesn't. It, the 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 ensuing electrocution doesn't seem to kill Bennett. It seems to make him stronger, like he's Iron Man or something. Like he's charged him up. He literally is on the fence shaking and there's sparks going off and he just launches back off and just carries on fighting like nothing happened. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. Maybe that's where the chainmail um, does. Maybe there's some sort of chainmail. Do you know what? I might try that. I might try that tonight. I might chuck a chainmail vest on and just run at some live electrics and see what happens and hopefully get a bit stronger. What can go wrong? Um, Metal on electric. No, it's, yeah. I mean, you know... We learn lots of lessons from these films. And this is another great fight, very much like the opening to, to Red Heat, where it's it's a few punches thrown, but repeated and repeated over and over and over again. And these wonderfully meaty 
uh, over-the-top, highly stylized sound effects that makes it sound like they're superhumans taking swings at each other. It's glorious. Um, and then it ends with um, <laughs> Schwarzenegger picking up a, a very large, almost tree trunk-sized concrete pipe and throwing it across the basement into Bennett's chest. Yeah. Um, and it pierces Bennett in and goes into a pipe and then steam comes out the end of it, hence the the uh, leading to the, the, the one line and let off some steam Bennett. And I believe in the director's cut, there's an extra long shot of the, the, the pipe being in him. Um, and that's it. I mean, they don't fuck around after that. He gets his daughter and him, the daughter and Cindy, played by Rai Dorn Chong, stand on their little um, seaplane uh, and kind of arms around each other like a, like a family. And, and watch um, the army just clear away the, just the just sheer amount of bodies from the beach. Like, he's just like, they've got a clean up to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, hundreds of bodies. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it does its job and gets out. So it's, it's, it's great. Now, I think before we get on to director's cut stuff and specifically, and there's not a lot of it. I mean, we covered most of it, but the thing I like about this film is that it's weird because when you look back at it, it's very easy to think that a lot of this stuff was unintentional and it's unintentionally funny. Um, and I don't know if it is because I think it, it, it knows, it kind of knows what it's doing. And if you look at the interviews with them on the director's cut with the cast and stuff, they seem to have this awareness or at least comfort with the idea that people, that it is silly and it is as funny as it is badass. And for me, I think not in terms of like the amount of CGI or whatever, but it, it it's got a similar tone to the the last few Fast and Furious films in that it's aware of action conventions and um, just is willing to have fun with them. Yes. Um, and I think this film is always just like, no, no, this is good. This can happen in an action film. Let's do it. Rather than either trying to be really po-faced or trying to be ironic. I just think it sits at this nice level where it's fun. And I think the other way I look at it is that a lot of Schwarzenegger's films, he's the anomaly in it. If you look at like the Terminator, it's a normal world, but he's this massive hulking cyborg. Even in Red Heat, he's a fish out of water. Um, whereas in Commando, it's like they've got him and then they've taken the rest of the movie and made it as absurd as he is. It's the one film in his in his early career where he kind of fits it. Yeah. Um, so... Um, just, just to be very clear on what's new in the director's cut, the 2007 director's cut, um, it's only a minute and 41 seconds. I've got a, a list here. So the main thing, and this is actually one of the things I don't like about the director's cut, and this is probably just a familiarity thing. So um, oh, Dan Hadeo, when they get off the plane, uh, he tells Schwarzenegger's daughter, Jenny, played by Alyssa Milano, that um, wouldn't it be nice to see your father again? And in the original version, she turns around and says, not nearly as nice as watching him kick your ass. No, sorry. Not nearly as nice as watching him smash your face and is in the original cut. And the director's cut is kick your ass. And I like smash your face in. Yeah, because he really delivers it with some relish, doesn't he? I've smashed your yeah. face in. And like, but when she says kick your ass, it doesn't land. Yeah, it just, it just feels a bit odd. It feels like it kind of flumps, flumps around a little bit. So um, then it's a couple of dialogue scenes, basically. Uh, the ones we mentioned about adding some extra stuff about his name, what he does for a living, his past life, you know, that kind of stuff. And then really the, the, the tool shed, um, uh, a few brief shots of soldiers being killed in various ways. Uh, close up of a rake piercing a soldier's belly. Saw blade slicing a soldier's neck. A shot of the soldier who's hitting the groin with the axe grimacing in pain. 
and a shot of the soldier touching the stump of the arm after Matrix has cut it off. So it's it's just some extra details, basically. Um, everything else that's violent in that movie that's back in there is is as a result of being cut for TV or, or a bad DVD cut rather than anything else. Um, so, yeah, this is a movie that that is just, you know, it's the baseline. It's It's what an 80s action movie is. Probably between that and Cobra, it's what you want an 80s action movie to be yeah and it, it, it never stops being enjoyable and i've and where i have found people who have never seen it or not or maybe watched it once way back in the day and re-watched it with kind of fresh eyes um it seems to have this magical ability that people just get it and enjoy it yeah for whatever reason they you know it's just a thoroughly enjoyable movie um that plays about with convention and it's the kind of film that you know i think if it was kind of remade now people would try and take it too seriously and try and make it too badass and it would just be a, another taken or another whatever um or people try and camp it up and make it ironic and it, it it wouldn't have that nice little little sweet spot no where it's just uh enjoyable fun i love it to bits, bits. Yeah, I think it, it, on, when I was younger, it was on my it was on my kind of roller decks. Of, it was three action films that were just always on my go, go at my list. That I had on tapes on VHS. It was Commando, Tango and Cash, and Die Hard. Yep, um, and they were just the, the three eighty staples. Just for just because every time I watched it, I would thoroughly enjoy the shit out of it each time. Mm. Which is no yeah, different. No, now. it's it's absolutely fantastic. Um, now I just had a quick look at the keywords. And there's 451. Um, you'll be pleased to know, those who listened last week, that all of our Who Dares Wins keywords have got in. So that means that now when you go on IMDb and you look at the keywords for Who Dares Wins, just to get a flavour of what it's about, you will find explosive telephone conversation, roll neck and interpretive dance. Thank God. Um, now, the, the first two keywords in Commando are uh, female nudity and bare breasts. Which, to be honest... They're, they're in there. But it's so brief as not to worth mentioning. Okay, I'm going to run through as much of these as I can. Female nudity, bare breasts, kidnapped daughter, one-man army, body count, jumping from an airplane, knife fight, dictator, general, rescue, island, assassination, commando, diehard scenario, speedo, breasts, M202, flash rocket launcher, tween girl, action hero, bare-chested male, machismo, henchman, violence, good versus evil, single parent, ex-soldier, Uzi, war paint, face paint, mass killing, arm cut off, single father, security guard, rocket launcher, phone booth, military veteran, garbage truck, exploding building, beach, airport... Race against time, motel, camouflage, flight attendant, kidnapping, bulldozer, convertible, seaplane, exile, dictator, shopping mall, father, daughter, relationship, camouflage, face paint, villain, child gag, beefcake, muscle, turtleneck, turtleneck, sales, buzz cut, love interest, car salesman, girl, salesperson, criminal, self-defense, impersonator, impersonation, cap, mask, man and woman in bed, blonde, blonde woman, man and woman share a bed, garbage, trash, trash bin, newspaper, machine gun, submachine gun, blood, wearing a robe, fisherman, fire, explosion, mountain, lumber, timber, teenage girl, wear shorts, chopping wood, wife beater, Creeping, horsing around, horsing around. <laughs> Someone's got to this before us. Horsing around, cafe ice cream, ice cream in the face, wiping someone's face, product placement, Cadillac automobile, car view, preteen girl, visitor, army, military industrial complex, jarhead, calling someone, calling someone. US Army insignia, shooting, hiding, bedroom shed, safe, and ammunition, entry code, boots, hiding under a bed, child on hiding under a bed, shot in the face, pursuit truck, car explosion, armor, rival, mustache, mustache, spelt different ways, mustached man, shine light in eye, tranquilizer bound, open neck shirt i mean i'm 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 halfway through <laughs> please go on you, you've gone full billy joel 
Like, you know, we didn't start the fire. Yeah. If that, that's what, he could have just read some keywords off Commando. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've got the lung capacity to continue this, but I think, you know, I'm scrolling. I haven't got to the end yet. So... Is Chainmail in there? I mean... <laughs> let's have a look. Can I... I see, I don't know. You can't search within a film for it. So I'm, I'm trying to see, but there's, it's glorious. It's like, you know, in the end of the matrix where you just start seeing all the code, it, my eyes are going like that. I'm just scrolling. And I think this, this speaks to how popular this film is that people have really gone to town on the keywords here. I mean, literally someone's put the keyword haste in, <laughs> in here. Like, <laughs> I love that. Just such a thing to focus on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to struggle to come up with something that isn't already here. Um, now, what I will say is that obviously there, there's always various versions of here. So I think then rather than um, check to see whether what we're putting in is already there, I think we just go ahead and add the things that we want. If it doubles up, so be it. Because, you know, even without dedication to meticulous research as we've demonstrated over and over and over again um you know i don't think people are going to want to sit and listen while i scan you know just under 500 keywords looking for some so chain mail vest is going in witty comeback yes what else? What other action calypso or steel drum or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's, let's go steel drum. Now that's three already. Um, is there anything else you kind of think must go in there? Weak arm. I mean, can we can we add little Schwarzenegger when he's in his, when he's in the car and he drives away and he looks like a child? <laughs> so there are some funny rules around adding like the title or um, actors. But let's put Little Driver, Rubbish, Dummy, and Weak Arm. Okay, so we've, we've submitted um, six this week. Three that I think might already be there or that would definitely get in, and three that possibly might not. So there we go. There's, again, one of the quickest keywords ever because... It's so comprehensive. And again, like I said, that just shows you how much people love this film. A lot of the films we've done over the past few weeks have had a spattering of keywords. People have poured into this and added ones that other people have missed. People really care about this movie. And rightly so, it is a masterpiece. Time to get pitching. Now, I don't know about you, but I, 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 just, I haven't thought about, pre-thought about pitching tonight at all. Um, I have. Okay, go for it. Tell me what you've got in mind. Now, <clears throat> to me, when I revisit this, and certainly when I watched it when I was younger, that John Matrix is a 
and a fantastic action character. Now, yeah. it, not so much in the 80s, certainly 90s onwards, there was a huge uh, wanting for a trilogy. Now, I obviously have seen Rambo, we've seen Rocky, we've seen Taken, we've seen John Wick. Mm. We haven't had a John Matrix trilogy. And I think that is a travesty. We need a a Matrix trilogy. Like, not The Matrix, not the sci-fi Matrix, The Matrix, John Matrix trilogy. Like John Wick or, you know, Die... I say Die Hard, I forget the other two. We just can't, you know... Die Hard to Die Hard Avengers, just the kind of the core trilogy. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we should do it using the kind of the loose trilogy rules that tend to tend to go with trilogies. Yeah. So um, you heard it here, people. We're going to pitch you two movies tonight. Um, now, I think to help us along the way, uh, I've got the 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 the, the title gen- video title generator here. Do we want to go um, like Commando 2 colon or are we going to James Bond it and have John Matrix in? I think to, I think we should, I'm tempted to say either we have, I think Commando 2 and then we could even yep. have John Matrix in. So it kind of, yeah, it's a very grand. Okay, so I, uh, before I start up, Dick Visage, you are going to have to uh, remember two titles you love from this, okay? Uh, we do have a habit of re- reeling off a load of titles and then forgetting all the ones that have come up, okay? So, ready. Uh, I'm, I'm winding her up, ready to go. And. Commando 2 Colon. Scary Doctor. Uh, naked Bazookas. John. <laughs> Maximum Rebellion. Um, Kendo Heart Forbidden Fists Um, Implosive Breakdance Day of Lunacy Uh, Twice the Anvil Uh, Sex Chain City of Voodoo Uh, Thunder Rock Toxic Maniacs Hang Gliding Madness Um Erotic Legacy, Lucky Rage, uh, Inappropriate Soldier. That's a good one. Savage Karate, uh, Seductive Warrior, Mental Force, (laughs) Midnight Thighs. (laughs) Anyone? Anyone for Midnight Thighs? Crazy Communism. Uh, sex Fury. <laughs> or Naked in New York. Horny Dollars. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's just so many uh, that are throbbing bandits. Okay. Uh, do you know any, what? any so far that you like it, that you're liking? Give me throbbing bandits. That can be the second. Right, let's, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's take one. Um, so, uh, what, so what, what we'll do is we'll we'll close it down for now. Mm-hmm. Do Commando two throbbing bandits, yeah. and then we'll come back and we'll do three uh, later on. So, 
Uh, what do we need in a in a sequel? What what has to be in the sequel? Right. So it has to be bigger. We have to mm-hmm. up the <clears throat> we have to up the threat. We have to yep. up the kind of uh, action. And I think we again, this is hard because this is commando. So this is kind of you know everything's full throttle. Mm. And we need to up the villain as well. So we need to make the villain. I yeah. think the villain's a good one because a lot of we talked about that we like Vernon Wells. Physically, yeah. he's not a match for Schwarzenegger. So I think that needs to be part of the villain's kind of cadre. I think it needs to be that he's a match for Schwarzenegger. So we go bigger on the boss, bigger on the villain, bigger on the action, and bigger on the threat. Okay. So, but I also think that because it's a sequel, it should basically be the same film. Just everything's more elaborate. So I think... I like the idea, so just some general kind of laying here, that he is working, giving aid in impoverished countries. So he's still living an idyllic life, but now he's like building huts for people in South America or whatever. And Alyssa Manalo, he's now grown up. Yeah, so this is what, 10 years later? Should we say 10 years later? Yeah. Well, no, let's say, let's say two... Let's say two comes in just before the 80s ends. Yeah. And then three's into the early 90s. Let's um, lethal weapon it. In the film, she's, she's grown up a bit more. Okay. They, they fudge the timeline. But um, Alyssa Milano isn't out there living with him. So she, she's just, there's a phone call at the start. Hmm. They've either, it's either a cameo from Alyssa Milano or they've recast. Yeah. Um, and she's just on the phone call and then she's out of it. Okay. While he's out there, he's got quite friendly with uh, uh, a female kind of um, uh, doctor who's out there giving medical aid. And there's some romance burgeoning. I think this should um, be Valverde as well. I think we've gone back to Valverde and he's been welcomed out. Maybe he's out there just putting the fucking country back together after he destroyed it in the yeah. first film. Yeah, yeah, I think he's been given the freedom of Valverde. So they've given him a plot of land yeah. and he's out there going, yeah, but I'm going to give back. And he's kind of, like you say, he's out there kind of, yeah, fixing our houses yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and and I think the plot is that she, she there's a local town that he's built that then gets to start starts getting terrorised by local bandits. Okay, and these bandits have a um, disease, and it's something wrong with their genetic makeup, and it means that they have lots more adrenaline, mm-hmm. which is explains the throbbing. So they're all pumped up yeah. and are super aggressive. Um, and his immediate kind of reaction is to wipe them out. But there's his female friend, the doctor, she thinks there's something wrong with them. They, they just need a bit of medical care. But instead they kidnap her as revenge for one of Matrix's kind of assaults and hold her hostage and tells Matrix he's got to clear out of the country so that um, they can they can have the run of it and exploit the people there. That's ba- But then again, he says, no, fuck that, and he goes on a revenge mission. So our opening, okay, I think, is a guy screaming in bed and some doctors around him and he's going to die and he kind of, his eyes snap open and he's got like coloured contact lenses in mm. and his hand reaches up and grabs the doctor by the neck and picks him up off the feet and crushes his neck. Yeah. 
And that's like the, the sense that this, this thing's taking over. Okay. And I think in the then background, there should be someone in the shadows because we'll come to that. Yeah. Later. There's someone in the shadows who's watching this, who lights a cigar and then walks away. And we're like, mm, yeah. who's that? Oh, yeah. He could be a corrupt CIA person or something like that. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll build on that later because I've got an idea for that. Yes. Okay, good, good. Right. So then we, we smash cut to the opening title sequence of Commando 2, Throbbing Bandits. And similar kind of thing, because Schwarzenegger, John Matrix is now building huts. So we see him walking down from the mountains, having collected materials for <laughs> yeah. the hut. Yeah. Now, I like the idea that, because could, he could have just collected more wood. Mm. But I like the idea that he's carrying either a prefabricated hut yeah. on his shoulder, or something like an entire toilet and cistern. Yeah, because he's trying to he's trying to provide water. Yeah, yeah. So he's got like plumbing pipes and a toilet seat. Yeah. in one hand, and then we cut to a montage of him, you know, laughing with children. Yeah, he's with the they villagers. Like, yeah, yeah, they they all gather around and he's like giving stuff out to them and they're like tugging on his shirt and he's laughing. Um, can can uh, there be one where they've made a bust of him, like they've made a marble yes. bust, and he's just like he's posing for it. And they're, they're yeah. making it, and he's laughing. Ah, look at that! Yeah. I think one where he's he's demonstrating the pump to them, yeah. and then one of them <laughs> splashes him in in the in the face with water, and he laughs back at them. Um, Can he have one where then, he's fixing the sewage, and he gets it wrong, and just a shit fires in his face, <laughs> <laughs> and he gets covered in excrement, and then like the ice he's cream, he just holding, walks away and laughs. <laughs> he's la- He's got two a turd in each hand, and he's just laughing. Um, <laughs> But then we get, he, he sees the doctor across the, the thing and there's a bit of romantic uh, kind of eye contact and they're, they're, um, they're having a glass of wine um, against the sunset. I think as well, yeah, when something. we first see her, she's a doctor, but she looks nothing like a fucking doctor whatsoever. So mm. I think we should go uh, Maria Conchita Alonso and there was... Mm. Um, uh, Ray, Rachel Ticketon in, in Total Recall, very kind of big, bushy black hair, very kind of exotic, very pretty. Yeah. So I think massive bushy hair, kind of those kind of glasses to make her look like a doctor, and yeah. just a very kind of sexy safari suit. Are we are we are we casting a a named actor or are we are we um, discovering someone? Um, I think because to be fair, it in both. Maria Conchita Alonso and Rachel Ticketon, you just named the two people I was going to suggest as either one of his things. And although it's kind of a reunion as such, they immediately sprung to mind as, oh yeah, they'd be perfect for this kind of role. I think, who should we, I think we go with um, Maria Conchita Alonso. Nothing, there's no, we, we, we know she's a doctor because she's got like a lanyard on. That's pretty much it. Mm. And she's always got a stethoscope around her neck. The phone rings and he goes, oh, I've got to, it's my daughter. And she goes, oh, no, she's really understanding. And I like the fact that maybe she says hello on the phone as well. Like they've established their friends. Yeah. Get the phone call out of the way. And then they start to have a bit of a disagreement in that there's, she's heard of this trouble mm. um, in the east of, of Valverde, um, of this kind of terrible disease. And he's like, we can't go there. It's too dangerous. You know, there's a bit of lawlessness there. We have this life here. And she goes, I really, really want to go. So they they decide they're going to both travel down there. Mm. And they do. 
and she's tending to people. And that's where we get the first hint that, A, there is this kind of disease that, that ups people's adrenaline levels, but also, B, that it might not be entirely natural. Yeah. There might be something behind it. Uh, and I like the idea that maybe Schwarzenegger has to go off a mountain to hmm. fetch something for the town. And while he's up there, they get attacked by bandits. Um, and he comes back and he finds the bandits and hmm. beats a shit out of them. Okay. Yeah. They all go back to their normal idyllic, idyllic life. But the bandits then come for them and they attack yeah. his idyllic town. Yeah. Um, Steal her, yeah. They fly off in a in a in a helicopter um, mm. or something, uh, or there's another car chase um, or a quad bike chase, say, because it's kind of more more sandy terrain. And same kind of thing, they 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 surround him and capture him. Mm. Um, and again, they they they're going to escort him off the island via hovercraft, just as something mm. different to to an airplane. Um, mm. And he's going to get the jump on his on his. Um, chaperones and head back to the trouble spots to kind of take out the bad guys. So we're going to have layers, aren't we? We're going to have our guy who's pulling the strings. Yeah. But then we're also going to have our roided up um, mm. Bennett standing yeah. who we'll introduce at this point. So yeah. who are we going to have as our, as our Bennett standing? So it needs to be someone who's either on or above Schwarzenegger's level because it then, I think, because we were up the action, I think when they get him on the hovercraft, you know, like he, he gets away on the plane, he, he's basically unhurt and he dumps yeah. the three. I think they rough him up quite a bit. I think he gets yeah. the shit knocked out of him and he just manages to get away from the, from the hovercraft. Yeah. Um, and then we see the couple of them, the, the, a couple of the bandits manage to get back to the layer where they're kind of, CIA, head CIA guy who we've not seen yet, but mm. the roided up Bennett standing comes down the stairs and says, how did you let him get away? I've invested in you two. And he just kills him with like, you know, kind of re one hand mm. kind of takes him out really brutally. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of get, we see this kind of, and then we're introduced to the kind of main badass. So he's yeah. a badass who's working for a CIA agent who's got an army of roided up people, but he's like the kind of key one. So mm. I think... I'd be tempted. Now, I like the fact in Rocky Ford that he's got Dolph Lundgren, who looks like just an absolute machine. Mm. So I think someone like Dolph Lundgren, who's kind of just above Stallone's level, but that for Schwarzenegger. So um, who could we? So, well, my, my so things that sprung to mind, I thought possibly someone like Matthias Hughes, who was the bad guy in Dark Angel. Mm hmm I mean, he's not, he, he doesn't necessarily look like he'd be a native of Valverde, but yeah. I mean, who, who, who gives a shit? Or we could go, again, we could go to the world of WWF wrestling. That's where I would go. Yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage. I think we need someone bigger. Ultimate Warrior. So, what we or, could do. What about... Tugboat. <laughs> what about... That's quite cool. The guy who played now, this is where my wrestling knowledge comes, tries to come back to the fore. I think I always think you remember those big seven footers. So, someone like someone like an Undertaker or uh, Lex Luger, <laughs> yes, yeah, he 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 looked, he looked like an 80s villain, didn't he? Because he yes. had that kind of big, curly hair, yes. 
Perfect. So, okay, Lex Luger in his in his feature film debut. Um, so he threatens Schwarzenegger. They beat him up a bit. Um, mm. They're going to about to get him on a hovercraft. So he gets sent off with two people who are less roided up. Yeah. Um, he defeats them and starts his trek back. So now we've got the throbbing bandits mountain stronghold. And I like the idea. It's a kind of cave complex or kind of camp network, like a training camp, a little bit Al Qaeda to a degree. But In my they, head, series of tree houses. Yes, something like, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind but, of guerrilla stuff, but yeah. that in there, uh, and again, I, I know you've got some plans, but obviously we've got this this um, shadowy figure mm. who I'm starting. I mean, I don't want to. In my head, I I'll let you fill in the details, but I'm picturing a kind of man from Del Monte esque look. Yeah. So in that, I like the idea that he's tried to set up some kind of scent some kind of classy setup. So he's got like a, a hammock and a kind of um, uh, some wooden decking. And he's always kind of sat smoking a cigar and got like wine and cheese while the other guys like grunting and, and eating coconuts and stuff like that. Yeah, Cause yeah. they're just these kind yeah. of roided uh, cavemen. So she gets sent back there mm. and tell us about this shadowy figure then. What, who is he? Who's he played by? What is he up to? Right, so he's... Who, a, who's the shit, Dick? <laughs> I'll tell you who the shit is. Right, so the shit, the main CIA shit, he's, yeah. we get the reveal that he's, he's ex-CIA, he's been excommunicated, but his plan, um, he's very radical, so the idea is he's, 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 be, he's using Valverde to kind of test this, uh, this formula, this kind of experimental super soldier kind of formula, that every doctor back in the States has said, you can't use this because it causes, yes, it causes super strength, but it causes aggression. It causes uh, you know, kind of just very bad side effects that we can't have. But he's using this camp to kind of test because Valverde is still a banana republic. There's no real kind of yeah. code of ethic there. So he's very much using that kind of, uh, kind of, you know, uh, controlling that. And he's, he's profiting from it. And you can tell he's kind of, is using these people mm. and Le the Lex Luger figure he's kind of he's someone he had trained up in the army who he tested the formula on and he somehow we find out that he's tangled with matrix in the past yeah we don't really know what happened but um he basically his unit got kind of took out by matrix unit but matrix doesn't remember him so we don't we don't kind because of, commando never really sat on the idea of why people were avenging we just kind of no. have that mention and we move on so the CIA agent, the man from Del Monte, I think is, um, obviously we've got the physical threat of Lex so Luger. I, I do have a suggestion, which oh. I kind of quite like. Uh, Robert Vaughan, the, the man from Uncle, who is also the villain in Superman 3. Yes. I think he's, I can see him in a white suit, lounging on some decking, giving instructions and kind of rolling his eyes when one of the more kind of um, Neanderthal bad guys does something stupid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, do you know what? I'm there. And also, for some reason, every time we end the shot of him, he's trying to get into his hammock and you're just getting it all wrong. So just, <laughs> every time he tries to get in his hammock, just gets it completely wrong and just falls head over tip. Yeah. And he just goes to the next scene. Yeah. I've, I know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves as well. I've got a pretty exciting villain for the third film as well. Mm. Just, just, just remind me in case I forget. Anyway, so, okay, so Robert Vaughan 
does his spiel. So he's been yeah. testing these kind of this Agent Orange style, uh, style kind of chemical warfare mm. that seems <clears throat> to have this effect to make bad guys kind of literally throb with adrenaline and power. Yeah. Um, but is it going too ridiculous where they might actually explode at some point? Like they've got, it gives them a limited lifespan. I think that's exactly the way you should go with it. Yeah. Um, and so I like the idea that they've got, um, that Robert Vaughan's got a suitcase full of like, like a dart gun that you can fire darts this <laughs> compound into people. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and basically he just wants to take over Valverde. He knows it's been destabilized. That's what the CI do. He's moved in. He just needs yeah. to get rid of Ratrix, get rid of his development program. And he's yeah. got and Valverde's for the taking. What's his name? What's his name? Um, oh, um, Lorenzo Vestibule. <laughs> or, <laughs> I, I like champagne, but not pronounced champagne. Champagna. <laughs> Lorenzo <laughs> Champagna. Yes. Um, yes. But Mullen Colonel Champagna for some reason. Yeah. And he's not yeah. a Colonel. No. Um, so, yeah. So he gives her the spiel. So now this is literally just as Lex in the first film. We have a scene of Matrix basically fighting someone or gathering some weapons. Cut back to um, his his you know the the female doctor being threatened uh, mm. and Robert Vaughan getting frustrated and barking orders. So basically, we've got to come up with a, with uh, one or two set pieces. Uh, for Matrix to get involved in before we have the big finale. Now, I think what's good about this, like Commando, he had those kind of mini boss level fights, but he wasn't ever matched physically or kind of, you know. Yeah. But I think in this we have, and for some reason, it's never explained why, it's mm. just science. Each of uh, Colonel Champagna's darts has a different effect on the person that he's firing mm. into. So one of them will get super strong, one of them will get super fast. One of them, for some reason, um, is really good at using a sword or some kind of weaponry. So he has three fights. Uh, three people have been kind of powered up in very different ways. So he's got to kind of adjust his style a little bit. He can't just kind of fight yeah. them as he normally would. I also like the idea as a, as a plot device um, <clears throat> that basically Robert Vaughan has been giving this compound he's basically um roiding up people like gang leaders mm. so they become dependent on him so he can control them but mm. then they're, they're like his general so basically matrix has to kind of weave his way through the dark side of valverde mm. very much the opposite of his um uh, progressive kind of development plan um and so i think his first battle should be with a with a super roided I like the idea that this, this gas is called like R-01D. It's literally roid. It looks like roid. So they, they refer to them as being roided up. Um, gang leader. And then the second one is where he's chasing the kind of Sully character who is the wormy assistant to Vaughn who's been yeah. distributing the drugs. And he's the one. So basically he's got to fight the tough guy in one yeah. set piece to find yeah. out who the distributor is, chase him down, and he'll be able to tell him where the yeah. base is. And so I'm going to say that the first set piece is that um, Matrix finds out there's a, there's a roided up gang leader mm. and to get him, he has to get involved in 
uh, a bare knuckle fist fight. Yes. Um, yes. So the, that's that's what the gang leader's doing. He's running this kind of <laughs> illegal fight, um, mm. and he's got to go in there, beat the bad, beat the. So he's got to kind of volunteer himself as a. You know, it's the kind of thing where you go in, you see this guy smash someone to shit. Yeah. Um, and they're like, who's going to challenge him? And he steps in. He's yeah. going to fight him, defeat him, and then um, beat him for, for information as to where the supplier is. So who's our first physical threat? Who's he going to go up against to begin with? I think he should go up against... Who's the bloke who had a massive... The bloke who played Maniac Cop? Oh, Robert Zadar. Yes. 100% him. done. Um, in a sleeveless denim waistcoat yep. and uh, a bandana. Yeah, and he's got um, chains wrapped around him. He doesn't use them. Yeah. He's got like massive, like not just little chains like you'd see on a punk. He's got yeah. like industrial chains around him. Like, yeah. He, he's kind of walked through a, you know, a, uh, a container yard. Mm. And he's got yeah. bar- barbed wire, um, you know, like uh, cufflinks. Mm. Um, you know, like wrestlers have those white kind of tape. He's got barbed wire ones of them. But yep. never know why, never uses them, but he's got them. Yeah. So he's gonna fight him in a yep. in a in a bare knuckle um fist fight. Can can we do it so he's got the chains? Can they be chained at the wrist? Yes. So they have to fight while chained. So I like that idea. And it goes on way longer. So whereas the previous fight, just like a ring of people cheering. Almost like it's a street fight game, just people cheering in the background, waving their arms. But they break out of that. They go through a hut, go through a bar, onto a yeah. kind of rickety bridge where there's crocodiles yeah. beneath. It goes around this whole entire thing. Um, yeah. There's a woman having an outdoor shower, and we can get the gratuitous Yeah, knocks down. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so this is essentially replacing, although it comes in a different sequence, this is replacing the, the motel fight, as I like, yeah. I like to think. Which means yeah. that it's got to have... Um, <laughs> it's got to have a a shit comeback. So I like the idea of repeating it, but making when I say making it bigger, making it worse. So yeah, I like yeah. maybe something along the lines of Robert Zadar um, is about to Matrix. Okay, so they've, they've worked their way to the end of a cliff, at the edge mm. of a cliff. Matrix is kind of his feet are on the edge of the cliff, and he's hanging by the chain attached yeah. at the wrist and Robert yeah. Zadar says uh, up yours uh, arsehole mm. and Matrix drops grabs hold of the edge and pulls so Robert Zadar falls off and just before, <laughs> as he's dangling he goes and he leaves it running he goes no up yours arsehole and then unravels the chain that's where Robert Zadar as a shit dummy drops yeah. So the, it's yeah. like someone's put a suit on an octopus and thrown it off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we use Sully's scream from the first film over the top. Again. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's become okay. a library sound effect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, and like I say, I'm aware that just replacing fuck you with up yours isn't particularly imaginative, but that's the key. It can't be too witty or too imaginative. It's got to be even dumber, yeah. more dumbed down than that line. So just think up yours. Um, yeah. Is good, yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, um, and then we need the Sully character. So I think the Sully character, he's been 
shot with roided stuff, but it's it's made him super quick. So he's a proper ratty, weaselly. So in my head, what can we've he got, can he can he have taken on some kind of weaselly physical characteristics? So it's a little bit <laughs> Island of Doctor Moreauish. He's got like a snout. I think there's one thing he's got, and there's yeah. nothing else. So he's got like a, just a snout or some ear, big ears or something. Yeah, or two pointy teeth at the front. Something like yeah, that, yeah. yeah he's proper ratty. Um, yeah. And in it, he we follow it through like an underground kind of. It's like a diamond mine or something like that. So an underground yes. cave with and stuff. And that's where instead of using the shopping centre, he's swinging off kind of those kind of inflatable things. He's just swinging off ropes and bits of scaffolding that's been erected to kind of kind of build this diamond mine. So he's leaping oh. about and the Weasley book's climbing up and down. And he's really got to push himself to catch him. Do you, if I, do you know what Ron Howard's brother looks like? Clint yes. Howard. Uh, I think he plays him. Um, so basically this is going to replace the, the Sully showdown. Mm. Um, and uh, so like you say, yeah, definitely a chase through a, an abandoned mine or 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 even a working mine kind of go a bit templar doom yes we could have a, yeah. yeah so instead of the the tiny the tiny sports car chase we could have a, another mine car chase do you know what for the third i don't whoever we do for the third boss can that be pat roach yes pat roach totally yes okay so yeah there's there's a there's a there's a mine cart chase and at the end it kind of the cart comes off the rails clint howard falls into a load of uh, of coal um schwarzenegger is going to get a pickaxe and throw it and it's going to pin him to the wall yeah um uh what's the weasley guy's name it's got to be something like sully but you know something uh, a bit... small burger yes and then um he leaves him down there and, and detonates the, the, the it was pre-rigged for explosive and he just collapses the mine on him. Yeah. Um, but he gets the information he needs. He's yeah. going to head off to Robert Vaughan's um, Robin-esque hood tree house. Um, yeah. I think <clears throat> so. This is going to involve another tooling up scene. Yeah. Now where he gets these weapons from, I don't know, but maybe the idea of them not being, Maybe they're not like guns and stuff for now. Maybe they're well. There's two ways to do this. They could either be low tech stuff like pickaxes and what have you, yeah. or he could start by going in with the the axe he got from the mine place, killing mm. a few people, and breaking into their weapon store and then doing the tooling up scene. I think as well what we could do on the way to Robert Vaughan's kind of. Uh, kind of Robin Hood-esque tree. Because I think, I think this part of Alvarez looks a bit like the Amazon. So it kind of, it's kind of trees in the, in the kind of Amazon. On the way, that he finds a little tribe of, they're not kind of like, they're, they're just a poor village. Mm. And they've been persecuted for a while. And he sees a toothless old man and he goes, you, you, you. And he just kind of drags him over to one side and goes, you need to take these shits down. Mm. Um, he starts speaking in very kind of colloquial, like you know, kind of American film speak. He goes, "Can he go and have a little? Can he have a little vision quest?" Yeah, yeah. Going yeah, to like a spiritual dream sequence. Yeah, um, where he finds the um, 
and that allows him to find uh, a previously thought like demolished bunker from the previous Valverde yes. um, regime that's full yeah. of weapons. So yes. yeah, he, he wanders in the desert for a while and there's all this yeah. kind of dreamy stuff. We get another, maybe we get some flashbacks to the first film. So we get another Bennett just saying, shoot you between the balls, between the balls, between the balls, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, he, he, he comes across the weapons. Yeah. Or he, no, he can find the, the house from the finale in the first film. And he finds like Dan Hedaya's skeleton. Um, <laughs> and he finds like a, a skeleton wearing chainmail pinned to a wall at a pipe. Yeah. Um, and uh, he tools up there using the weapons yeah. that have been buried. And yeah. then heads off. There we go. Now, the finale, it's got to have some swinging between trees. Like the balloon thing in the first film. Oh, I like the idea of him swinging with one hand while shooting with another. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of him shooting the struts out beneath the tree house so the whole thing collapses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So can he make friends with a monkey chucked in the gun? Yeah. Um, like he thinks. It chips are down, and he just sees his monkey. They look at each other, and this little monkey goes, kind of goes, yeah, squeaks, and then just chucks him an Uzi, and he winks at him, and then just starts firing again. Yeah. So, um, and at some point, then he sets light to the wood. So the finale is in. He's surrounded by a burning wood. Yeah. And it's him. Yeah. Lex Luger, both stripped to the waist. Yeah. Robert Vaughn's got his kind of decking hammock thing is still there and he's kind of on the decking he's got uh maria conchita alonso in one hand with a gun to her yeah <clears throat> and we start the fight and it's a fairly mm. conventional fight but then matrix is winning and then robert vaughn shoots lex luger with mm. all the remaining roid darts <laughs> so lex luger starts to roid out but that means he's going to have a living system. So he gets the, 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 the fight back. That's the equivalent, going to be the equivalent of the electric fence. He's going to get the fight back. Yeah. And it looks like Matrix is losing. But then, like, Luger starts to kind of... He's, like, at the end of Scanners, his head starts to bulge and stuff so like Luger that. Luger turns into Bane, basically. He just yeah. Turns into his, yeah. 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 I'm there. Um, and, then, and that gives Schwarzenegger the edge. And eventually, he punched him so hard that Lex Luger explodes. Yes. Now, have you seen a film called The Fury? It's Brian De Palma. It's kind of a bit like Scanners. I've heard, I've heard of it. I've There's heard a scene it. at the end where, like the Scanners head explode, an entire person explodes. Yeah. And it's shot from about seven or eight different angles. And they just repeat the explosion over and over and over again. I want that. I want it. You literally explode a dummy. Yeah. And just keep repeating to every different angle of him exploding. Um, yeah. um, and then, I don't know, Schwarzenegger says, um, sorry to have burst your bubble or something like that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yes. Maria Conchita Alonso kicks Robert Vaughan in the balls and he goes, ooh, like that. Um, <laughs> and he's falling in his hammock and just gets twisted like, Well, hammock. as I say, Schwarzenegger wraps him up in the hammock and I think like swings him around and throws him up into yeah. the trees where yeah. he, he, he sits up there. And I like the idea of, we then have um, uh, Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso walking out the flames back to their divot lifestyle. And that's going to be our ending, them kissing against yeah. the kind of smoky sunset. But then mm. just before the credits hit, we cut back 
to Robert Vaughan literally cooking like a piece of meat, like he's roasting over the fire. Yeah. And then it ends. Just a really grisly, yeah, yeah. downbeat moment. Creamy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like a shit rotisserie chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's absolutely. Commando Tooth robbing bandits for you. I think as well, mm-hmm. as a teaser, because yet we've got to yet to complete the trilogy, which we'll come on to, but as a teaser, we have a little kind of scene when it cuts back to Washington. And mm-hmm. we, think, we find out that actually uh, Colonel Champagne mm. wasn't actually the, the, the kind of big mastermind. There's someone else in mm. the shadows and they've... Um, you just see this kind of um, this this town in in the states that they're screaming it's on fire, um, and there's a phone hanging, and on the person who's on the phone is like, "We need to call John Matrix," mm. and it comes black. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, we're well aware you have spent uh, a fair amount of your time listening to us to a ramble, so we're not going to keep you any longer just yet. We are going to leave you on a cliffhanger. This is just part one of our Commando podcast. So join us next time Mm -hmm. for us pitching to you the third in the never seen Commando trilogy. And then we'll add to the Justice 101 manual uh, from the many lessons we can learn from Commando. So like Schwarzenegger, we'll be returning next week. Fuck you, asshole.